This is Pastor Mike, and I want to welcome you to the Life Fellowship Podcast. I know that the trials of each of you experience can often feel overwhelming, and at those times, the enemy tries to bring discouragement into your life. Remember that in John 16, Jesus tells us to be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. Today, as you listen, I pray that God's word ministers to you and that the power of the Holy Spirit deposits joy and peace into your situation. Listen, I wanna, uh, I'm not going to be real long this morning at all. I've just got a couple things that I want to run by you about. And then we're going to pray for people for healing this morning. Because I, your faith meter should be off the chart this morning. I just really believe that God is going to do something this morning in this place. And uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 5. And I'm going to keep this probably about 15 or 20 minutes. And then we're going to pray for people. But I want to uh, just bring a different thought about this scripture than I've preached it before. John chapter 5. I'm going to start reading probably with verse 2. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease they had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there in that condition for a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him and said, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. But while I'm coming, another one steps in before me. But Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately, say immediately, and immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Father, I ask you this morning, Lord, that you would continue to, Lord, bless our soul today with your word. And God, I thank you for the many great things you're doing in your house today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I want to talk with you a few minutes this morning about healing, about healing in your physical body, in your mental, in your mind, just healing in general. And the first thing I want to tell you this morning is I don't have all the answers. If you came looking for all the answers this morning, I don't have them. I don't understand why some people are healed instantly and some people are not. Uh, I kind of fall into the camp of King David. He wrote in Psalms 73, truly God is good to Israel and to those who have a pure heart. He said, but as for me, my feet have almost stumbled, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pains until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are, and they are not stricken like the rest of mankind. I don't understand why evil people prosper. To be quite honest with you, it bothers me. When you see godly people 
stricken and you see evil people that seem to prosper. I don't have that answer for you other than the fact that we live in a fallen world today. And that's the only answer that I can give you. We are all living under the effect of a fallen world. Some people say, well, they must have not received healing because there was sin somewhere. And I'm certainly not saying this morning that having sin in your life does not play a factor in God answering prayers. But if you read on about this man in John, Jesus found him in the temple just a few, uh, just a little while after healing him and said, now look now, you've been healed and stopped sinning. So that leads me to believe that the man had been a sinner and in sin and Jesus healed him anyway. I don't find a scripture anywhere that says just because there's sin in your life that Jesus won't heal you. It's an easy fix to our answer sometimes, but I don't really find that in Scripture. So I don't have all the answers this morning, but I want to allow God's Word in this text about this man to cast maybe a different perspective on you receiving your healing. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I don't know many people that don't need some type of healing. It may be just tendonitis in your elbow, but almost everybody needs some type of healing in your body. I've often preached this scripture about the laziness and the complacency of this man that he, he was able to get all the way to the edge of the pool, but when the waters were stirred, he never would just roll in. And, you know, Jesus comes by and says, man, what are you doing here? Why, do you want to be well? And, 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 I, and that's a great way to preach that text. But I want to I give you a little different angle on this text this morning that I believe is going to bless you. I'm going to preach a sermon entitled, The Right Place. The right time and the right encounter. The right place, the right time, and the right encounter. When I began to just think about this scripture, one thing that this guy got right is he stayed at the pool. 38 years, even though he saw miracle after miracle, he saw person after person blessed instead of him, he still stayed at the pool. He still stayed. He still came. He was consistent. And I want to tell you, if the church has lost anything today other than just the value of holy living and, and living a holy life, we have lost our consistency. We treat coming in and out of God's house like it's going to Outback on, Saturday, on Friday night. We're not consistent in the things of the Lord anymore. There are too many other things. that Now, we're consistent in the, listen, think about this. We're not consistent in so many church things, but we're consistent in the things that steals us away from church. We're consistent in ball. If you play ball this morning, I'm sorry. It's just the truth. We're consistent in our fishing, and I'll get on myself in a minute. We're consistent in our hunting or our golfing or our yard sailing, or our shopping, or whatever it is that we do. We're consistent in all of this stuff, but we'll cease to be consistent in coming to the house of the Lord. We'll say, well, we're busy. We're busy, but we're busy with things that steal our blessing that God is trying to place in our life. And I want to talk to you about consistency. This man, he, he was at the right place all of the time. We know he was at the pool of Bethesda, which meant house of 
mercy. And that's a great representation and picture of the American church, if you will, or the church at large today. When people come in these doors, particularly the unsaved or the, the addicted or people that need deliverance, they are coming in here for one reason. They need something they're not getting out there. And I, that's a picture of the house of mercy. We, we would like to think of Life Fellowship as being a hub of the house of mercy that people come in and even though they're convicted of sin or convicted of things, that they find mercy and grace represented in this place. So this man was, was at the right place without exception. He, he, he geared his life to 38 years even though nothing happened. He said, you know what? I know it happens here. It may not have happened to me, but I refuse to leave the place where it happens. And folks, I want to tell you this morning, if you need God to move in your life, don't leave the place where it happens. Don't leave God's house. I, I've heard people say, well, I'm just tired of organized religion. I'm just, let me tell you, that's a lie from Satan. Don't you leave God's house because I want to tell you, God is still performing miracles in his house. God is still moving in his house. Conviction is still brought in the house of the Lord in whom the sun sets free is free indeed. The man was at the right place. He could have got fed up because the coffee pot was moved or somebody was sitting in his seat. But he said, no, I'm not getting upset about the little things, but I am staying here in the house of mercy. And I want to tell you this morning, if you're visiting and this isn't your church, whatever your church is, stay plugged in. Don't let the enemy drag you away with little things here and there. Stay plugged in to the right place because 38 years later, because he stayed in the right place, all of a sudden he encountered the one that could change everything in his life. In church, today is the day you can make a decision. God, I'm staying in the right place. I'm not going to veer to the right or to the left. I'm not letting everything else uh, make me do this or do that. I'm not letting my schedule, I'm not letting my schedule predict how often I go into the God's house. I'm just going to tell you how I was raised. There was no schedule and I, think, and I didn't like it. And parents, let me tell you this. If you begin to schedule your life around church, your kids ain't going to like it at times. Get over it. But my parents, they scheduled everything around God's house. I played little league ball. But if there was a game or a practice on a Wednesday night, and back then, the world hadn't become heathen enough that they played on Sunday. So we didn't have to worry about that. But if there was a game or a practice on Wednesday night, it was a known factor. I didn't go. Because we were going to schedule our life around God's house. We didn't do dance on Wednesday night with Emily. 
We didn't do any kind of dance. We found something that didn't contradict with going to God's house. And I, you say, well, Pastor, I really don't like when you get on me about these things. But listen, I'm just telling you this morning, it's imperative that you stay plugged in to the right place because the world is offering you so many things that will pull you away and drag you away, and you are creating a culture of non-consistency in the lives of your children. And if you don't teach them consistency in God's house, then when they get grown, they're not going to be consistent in God's house. And when they need a miracle, they're not going to be in the right place. And it gets worse as time goes on. They're not going to teach their kids and their kids. And before you know it, there arose a generation that knows not the Lord or his ways. But he stayed in the right place. Even though nothing was happening for him, even though he was just a, not on a log, so to speak, even though he may have felt lonely, he stayed plugged in to the right place. The second thing I want you to see about this man is he was there at the right time. He was there every time the Spirit moved. He, he, had to, he had to live with the fact that he had saw Dalton get touched by the Spirit or Terry get touched by the Spirit or Russell get touched by the Spirit or Stephanie get touched by the Spirit. He had to live with the fact for 38 years, 365 days a year, he lived with the fact that every time the Spirit of God moved that he saw somebody else blessed but he still stayed there at the right time I, I can just see his little crippled body rolling close to the edge of the pool he couldn't walk so he would just slither almost maybe like a snake on the ground to get himself to the edge of the pool to give himself the opportunity that today Maybe the day, because I know what happened yesterday. I saw who was blessed yesterday. I'm going to get myself here at the right time and in the right position because I know that today could be the day. And I want to tell somebody in this house this morning, today could be the day for you. Only God knows, but today could be the day for you. He was at the right place. He was there at the right time. He, was, he may have been just watching and expecting, but he was there. He was there. He, had, he was there. Consistency. How many times do you come to the altar? When the pastor gives an altar call, how many? Well, I've been, I came, I came three or four times last year, and I've already been five or six times this year, and I don't want anybody to think that, you know, let me tell you, that's part of our problem when we get past worrying about what everybody else thinks. When you need a miracle from God bad enough, you'll beat the door of the altar down every service and come and cry out to a holy God and say, God, I need your deliverance in this place. 
Matthew 10, 32 says, So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. This is talking about intercession. When you get up out of your seat and an altar, talk, an altar call goes forth and you get up and you come down, that's acknowledging before men. I've got an issue that only God can deal with. I've got an issue that the doctor couldn't fix, the counselor couldn't fix. I've got an issue that nobody else could figure out, but I know that the great I am is still accustomed to meet his people in the altar. And when you stand up before men, the Bible says that he will also acknowledge you before the Father. The Bible says that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for the saints. That means I believe that every time I get up and acknowledge, Lord, it's me again. God, I know it was me last Wednesday. I know it was me last Sunday. God, I know it was me every Sunday the week before. But God, I want to tell you, it's me again. That every time you stand up, that all of a sudden, Jesus begins to just press in in intercession to the Father, saying, Lord, it's them again. That God, they're on their feet again. They're acknowledging that you are the only one that can meet their needs. in church, it's time that we recognize it really is him. I know that many men have a great uh, following and anointing on their life. Maybe they have a healing anointing or a prophetic anointing. But I want to tell you, there is nobody like Jesus because he is the one that everything comes through. It's all about him. And when you begin to recognize that not only do you need to be in the right place, but you need to be there at the right time. Because, see, there's always obstacles in your way. Anybody ever had any obstacles in your life? Anybody got any this week? Rejection? How about embarrassment? How about the obstacle of embarrassment? How you just hate letting somebody know that you're dealing with the same problem. Oh, come on, who am I talking to? I mean, this is real stuff. I, I just don't want anybody to know we're dealing with that again. Rejection, embarrassment, the obstacles, that, the depression, despair, anxiety, the, uh, things that stand in the way for 38 years. There were plenty of reasons that he should have just went told somebody just take me home just take me back to where I was and just leave me there because nothing is happening here but he didn't do it he recognized I'm in the right place and I'm here at the right time and for 38 years he Every single day, he's at the right place and the right time. Well, Pastor, why did it take 38 years? I don't know. You'll have to talk to God about that. I, have, I don't have that answer, but I can tell you that this man shows us that staying at the right place and staying there at the right time sets us up for the right encounter. His consistency set him up for the right encounter. What does your consistency say about your life spiritually? It's a question for you to ask yourself this morning. How consistent are you in the spiritual things? 
are you as consistent as you are your favorite television show? It's a shame to even put those two in the same sentence, but it's the world. To even think about that we would be more consistent about a television show than we are about our relationship with the great I am, but it's where we are today. What does your consistency say about you? His consistency says he had great faith. No doubt he knew what took place in the pool. And for 38 years, he has the faith to wait it out. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. This is in ESV, the conviction of things unseen. He had conviction that if I stay here and I stay plugged in at the right place, at the right time, long enough, eventually something is going to break through on my behalf. And I want to tell you this morning that if you'll become consistent with God and stay with Him long enough, if you won't be like, like a wave tossed in the wind, getting upset about this, upset about that, flighty about this, flighty about I'm telling you, if you just say, God, I'm just concerned about being in the right place at the right time because I need an encounter with the Holy One. I need an encounter with the great I am. God will do great things in your life. He was at the right place. He was there at the right time. And all of a sudden, he was about to have the right encounter. He didn't have help. The Bible doesn't mention any family members. Most of his family had probably forgotten about him. And I want to go back to these two verses, verses 7 and 8. The sick man answered Jesus after Jesus says, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered and says, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying, another one steps in before me. See, they were, can you imagine, I, I tried to find some pictures that I felt would vividly betray the scene at the pool of Bethesda, but I couldn't find any that I thought did it justice. There were people lined up waiting to get in the water. They didn't have any Aleve. They didn't have any Advil. They didn't have any Lortab. They didn't have anything else to help. I can promise you people were lined up waiting to get into the pool. And he says, I don't have anybody to help me out getting into the pool. See, he was waiting for his next turn in line. But little did he know that he was about to encounter the miracle worker himself. And all of a sudden, Jesus looks down at him and says, Do you want to be made well? And he begins to speak out of his disappointment and say, Yeah, I would, but I don't have anybody to help me. And I want to tell you something this morning. When Jesus speaks to you and says, Well, I've never heard him speak, or sure you have. His Holy Spirit, if you're a child of God, is living on the inside of you, and he is speaking to you on a regular basis. And when, the, when Jesus speaks, don't answer back out of your disappointment. 
Somebody needs to begin to answer him back out of faith this morning. The man says, I, 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 don't, I, I would, but I don't have anybody to help me. I want to tell you, if man hasn't helped you in 38 years, the chances are man's not going to help. God is about to do something in your life. God is about to touch something that man could not. He's about to transform something that man could not. He's about to heal, reveal something that man man could not he's speaking out of his disappointment he says I don't have anybody to help me and I love the Lord's answer back Erica, the, man, the Bible doesn't say the man felt a warm sensation all over his body the Bible doesn't say that, uh, that all of a sudden a lightning, lightning bolt hit him the Bible says that the Lord speaks and says well just pick up your mat and go. In other words, he says, why don't you just start walking in your healing? Now, I've tried to think about that one single moment that he made a transition from being that invalid to actually taking a step. That, that nanosecond, that split second where he went between the two. He is a cripple laying on a mat Jesus says, pick up your mat and walk. And the man picks up his mat. Listen, something happened inside of his mind that let him know, listen, it's out of the word of the Lord that I'm healed. It's not about my emotion. It's not about how I feel. It's not about even what I see. It's about what God speaks into my life. And he's spoken that I am healed and that I can leave this place. And I want to tell somebody this morning, you can leave that place today. You don't have to come in like you left in Jesus' name. You can leave that place because of the word of the Lord. Jesus is still who we need. Eric, if you'd come back. Play that do it again song. Jesus is still who you need. He's still meeting people at the pool. But the veil has been torn. And now you and I, all of us at one time, we, there is no line. Man. I want you to get that this morning. There is no, y'all come right here, everybody on the front row, y'all stand up right here. I'm going to use y'all as an example. I want everybody to get in line. I want you to face that way. Just right behind each other. Get single file. There you go, dog cleaner. See, if I was to call Dalton and say, all right, Dalton, you got London, she's back in the back. Well, London, well, I got to wait till four other people go, and, and then if something happens in between, then I've just got to wait my turn. And it doesn't matter, y'all turn all the way around face the other way. It, it doesn't even matter if now, now London's in front, but now Dalton, see, this is man's system. Man's system says, well, but it all depends on what happens next when you're in line. But I want to tell you as a child of God, I am not in line. I serve an omnipresent God. I serve a God who is with me. He's with her. He's with her. He's with her. He's with him and him. I'm not in line because y'all turn and face me. Now who's in line first? Who's in line? Everybody is in a position to receive something. If I was giving out 
$20 bills to the first one in line. How did I know London would hold her hand out first? Every, but now everybody faces me and if I was the gift giver, nobody's getting $20, y'all can sit down. If I was the gift giver, there is no first, there was no last. And I want to tell you as a child of God, there is no first, there is no last. Because when we keep our eyes focused upon Him, when I, when I recognize God, I'm in the right place. I'm there at the right time. And I have positioned myself for an encounter with the Holy Spirit. God, I have positioned myself with an encounter from you. Bless you. Consistency. And I'm talking to those people this morning that you've prayed for God to move so many times when it comes to healing. may pop up in your mind tomorrow and you pray about it and it may not pop up again till three weeks down the road or a month am I talking to anybody this morning is that just your pastor this morning I mean you know you prayed and you prayed and because we don't continually keep it before the throne we forget about it what we do is we just like the man at 38 years we become content to just live with it and manage it. And I want to tell you, God's not a managing God. He's a restoring God. He's the God of salvation. He's the God of healing. He's the God of peace. He's the God of joy. If we could really get that this morning, I want you to think, it's not God's will that anybody live with depression. It's not God's will that anybody live with sickness and disease. Not God's will, Josh, for anybody to live with anxiety. But it took almost 40 years. If you heard Josh's testimony the other Sunday, it took almost 40 years for that deliverance to take place. But you've got to stay in the right place and be there at the right time and set yourself up for the right encounter. And just because you come to the altar this Sunday doesn't mean you don't come back next Sunday. And just because you come back next Sunday, you may be London's age and it may be something in her life that hasn't taken place maybe that she wants when she's, when she's my age, when she's 40 six years old but you know what she needs to do she needs to still come to the right place at the right time and position herself for an encounter with the great I am I'm talking about positioning herself to encounter God don't ever underestimate the power of the altar experience this is our pool right here this morning this is our pool and I want to tell you I'm not waiting for the waters to be stirred because the Bible tells me that it's been finished the Bible tells me that Jesus on the cross said I've done it all I completed it all it is finished what does that mean pastor it means all of it 
It means depression. Depression has been overcome. It means that sickness has been overcome. It means that everything that attacks me has been overcome by the blood of the Lamb. We've shared testimony this morning. Revelations 12, 11 says, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. I'm here to testify to somebody today. God is about to let a suddenly happen in your life. God wants to move in your life again. God wants you to pull up those memories of things that could happen and you wish would happen. God said, bring them back to me. Bring them back. Bring them back to the right place. Set them down in the pool. For Position yourself for an encounter with me. Because the bottom line is this. There ain't no preacher that can help you. I wish I could tell you this morning that I've got a miracle cloth that I could lay on you. And I'm not against prayer cloths, so don't anybody take me out of contact. But I wish I could tell you that this is I had a miracle cloth that I could lay on your head and everything is going to be fixed. But the bottom line, unless the anointing of the Holy Spirit gets in that cloth and transfers to somebody else, it ain't nothing but a ragged piece of linen that you might as well throw in the trash thing that makes it anointed is the great I am. The only thing that makes the difference is Him. And I want to ask you this morning, I want to ask every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask two questions this morning. The first one is, is there anybody in this place? And you can say, Pastor, I, I just need Jesus to be my Savior. I've never accepted Him. But I need, I need him to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. And I'm ready to let all my baggage go, let all the sin go. Whether you, maybe you were saved as a child, but you've veered away from the Lord. You've walked away from him, you're backslidden. Or maybe you've never accepted him in your whole life. Whatever the case today, is there anybody in this house that would be man or woman enough to say, Pastor, I want to come back in right standing with the Lord today. If that's you, just every head bowed and every eye closed. Anybody? I'll wait just a moment. Just a moment. I'll wait just a moment. Anybody? You say, I need to come back to the Lord. I need God to do something special in my life. Anybody else? Anybody? I'll wait just a moment. I see that other hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? us to pray together real quick. Let's everybody pray this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you right now. And God, I thank you that I am saved by your grace and your mercy. Lord, I thank you that you shed your blood for me. And God, right now, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and make me whole. God, I want to be alive in you today. Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap for those who receive the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Now I want to ask this this morning because I want to pray for every person. If you need physical or mental healing in any way in your life, we'll do this a little bit different. 
If you need physical or mental healing, I want you to stand up right there where you're sitting. Right there. Physical or mental healing in any way. And this is what I want to do. I want everybody to look around at everybody that stands this morning. That's, that's over. That's over half of this congregation. The atmosphere is right for a miracle. And we got about a hundred people that need a miracle this morning. Now those of you that did not stand, I want to ask you this morning. When I begin to pray for these, I want your faith to be activated for them. Because you see, somebody may not really have enough faith for what they're believing for. It happens. But I want to tell you something. Some of you that have already seen God move, let your faith be activated for them. Let your faith be activated for them. And I believe God is going to move in this place. Whatever the need in your life is this morning that you stood for, as you come, I want you to I want you to mentally see yourself walking out of that situation. If it's cancer, I want you to see yourself walking out of it. If it's depression, I want you to physically see yourself picking it up and walking away this morning. I want to do this. Thank you for listening to our podcast here at Life Fellowship Church in Hearst, Texas. God is doing great things at our church, and we would like for you to be a part. Join us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 6.45 p.m. Get connected with us through Facebook or our website at www.lifefellowshiphurst.org. Thank you, and God bless.